Welcome back. Uh, 602-508-0960 is the number. 602-5080-960. I want to give it out a couple more times because I, I would love to hear from you on this. I read poll. I was mentioning this at the end of the last hour. Poll after poll. We did a version of this last week, too. Poll after poll is showing uh, that people are voting on um, voting or at least showing in the polling that their top concerns have to do with the economy, whether it's inflation. Uh, that's part of it, inflation or the economy. Uh, and then a few other things after that. Is that is that what you're motivated for? On November 8th, Joe Biden gave a speech today full of whoppers about the price of gas when he took office and where it is now, about GDP and joblessness where it was when he took office and where it is now. Uh, and I'm going to get into that in a few moments as well. Uh, but clearly, uh, clearly, the Democrats uh, are, 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 are talking about or at least trying to make uh, the economy the issue when the GDP is turning a little bit. Is the economy the issue? We have been making it the issue because it is terrible. The media is covering for the Democrats on this. But is it just that or is it a whole series of other things wrapped up in the social issues or the cultural issues as well? Is it what's been going on in the schools? Is it what's been going on with the lies or the accountability with COVID? Is it the Department of Justice? Is it crime Uh, and not just rising crime? so to speak, but the response to it from the Democratic Party and their um, their memory holding of their record on it and uh, their defund the police uh, experiments that have um, worked, one might say. Is it the economy or what? Wayne is in Chandler. Hello, Wayne. Hello. Uh, I understand when people are drowning financially that the economy is uppermost in their mind. But in my mind, we've got to think longer term. And all of the things you cited, you know, the educational system, COVID and the lockdowns, all of those things loom important in my mind. But the number one thing in my mind is I believe Joe Biden has drawn down our strategic petroleum reserves by one third already, even selling some of that crude oil to the communist Chinese, which would be the last place I'd want to see him putting that resource. And with Taiwan and their threats there and what have you, it's very reasonable to believe that we could be involved in some form of uh, conflict, war, if you will, three or four years from now. Think this, if Taiwan or or, uh, the Taiwanese microchip uh, company who's moving to uh, Maricopa County. Uh, there's going to be a transition time. There'll be startup problems. There's going to be problems getting chips for a few years now. If during that period of time we had to go to war, there's going to be all kinds of shortages, and petroleum will only be one of the more important ones to keep the economy going and to keep our armed forces supplied and keep you and I being able to drive to work. All of that is true, Wayne. All of it. Every 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 sentiment you issued. You know, it's interesting. You were mentioning uh, war and Taiwan. And I thought I didn't realize that you were going to end the end the sentence with Taiwan. I thought you might have ended it with Ukraine. It is interesting to me that at the beginning of this year, uh, the president of the United States, 
states tried to rally us around uh, Ukraine. You may remember his State of the Union speech at the beginning of the year. Twenty five percent. The first quarter of the speech was all about Ukraine. He's not talking about it anymore, is he? You don't hear him talk anything about it anymore. Uh, He said it would take some months for the sanctions to work. Um, I don't think they've worked yet. Uh, What we're what we are seeing is an actual and kinetic awful uh, conflict over there. I think a lot of Americans are worried about whether we're going to be involved further in it and whether there can be a check put on that in the Congress of the United States with the Republicans in power. But one of the concerns I guess I haven't articulated, Wayne, run by you and anyone else who wants to call in is if Republicans take the message that this is an election about the economy. Um, That is a recipe for failure, as far as I'm concerned, uh, because there's not going to be a whole heck of a lot they can do. I mean, they can push, uh, depending on the size of the Republican victory, if there is one, God please, and hopefully a significant one, they, they can push... But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the pre- it's probably going to be the president's budget and it's probably going to be the president's executive orders. And his executive orders will probably ramp up if he has Republican opposition in the House and Senate to what he wishes he could do or what he's trying to do or what he wants to do. I sure hope if it's a Republican sweep, the Republicans take the message that, yes, the economy, to be sure, But we have a lot of work to do in figuring out what the hell's going on at the CDC. We have a heck of a lot of work to do in figuring out what the Department of Education is funding and what mandates they are imposing and attaching to their funding to the states. We have a heck of a lot of work to do on the – did I mention the FBI and the IRS? We have a heck of a lot of work to do on the border and on crime and on drugs. So I'm I'm hoping – that the Republicans don't take the message that it's just about reducing marginal tax rates and um, better trade I don't agreements. believe that they will. They're, they're not going to be singularly focused. They're going to do things that will help the broader economy. But one of the things is that houses of Congress in Republican control. You can at least uh, control the purse strings. Yeah, you bet. Not be sending billions you and bet. billions of dollars solely to the Ukraine. That's correct. And you can defund departments and agencies in the United States as well. You're absolutely right about that. You're absolutely right about that. What I worry about... Yeah, go ahead. Never mind Social Security, for instance. (laughs) And that can has been kicked down the road so long that uh, everybody on Social Security is going to take a haircut if we don't get something done quickly yesterday. Well put, Wayne. Well put, thank you, sir. Let's let me uh, let me go to Howard in Phoenix. Hello, Howard. Wow, that was quick. First How are off, you, sir? Good. How are you, young man? I am. First fun. off, I want to thank you for the tickets. They upgraded me to a premium or a preferred. It was. A, I like the hoot nanny. Ah, yes, yes, yes. You are our friend who used the word hoot nanny. Okay. Yeah, All and right. you didn't know what that meant. Come on. Well, <laughs> who's zooming who here? Okay, so have you heard? And that was from a song. Yes, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Aretha Franklin, so, correct? Very good. Yeah, very good. I know a I'm few a, things about music, probably I'm more about music I, than anything else. I know a lot about music, my okay. friend, All and right. I'm older than you by All about 15 years. All right. Have you heard the uh, Bill O'Reilly's prediction, Bill O'Reilly's prediction? No, I haven't. What is he saying? He says if the 
if the Republicans do what they say they're going to do and everything works out the way he hopes it does, that Biden will quit after six months to a year and uh, we'll never hear from him again. Oh, this is uh, this is interesting. Um, heard theories of does anyone ask O'Reilly if he's heard what Leibson said, by the way? <laughs> it's always well, funny. People are always shocked. Did you hear what so and so said? Did you da, 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 da? anyone ever say, hey, O'Reilly, did you read what Leibson wrote in The Wall Street Journal last week? No. Um, anyway, uh, obviously, he's got a higher, much higher Q rating than I do. But I have heard this theory um, that Biden may not serve out the rest of his uh, term by dint of his own efforts. By the way, isn't it interesting? You don't hear talk about the 25th Amendment at all. You heard it almost every other week when Donald Trump was president. Donald, Tr- Donald Trump, who, like him or not, obviously a lot of people didn't like his policies. No one thought, no one thought he uh, he he was absent of uh, absent of uh, sentience, a- absent of the ability to cogitate and think and talk. But uh, but um, the theory I have heard, Howard, is that Biden may not serve out. The rest of his term, it may not take six months. I mean, I it may not. I, I I can't tell what's going on over there. I don't think he knows exactly what's going on over there. But, you know, you could take a massive hit in this election as a as a Democratic Party. You could see it as a referendum on yourself and you could you could move on from there. You could just you could just say hasta la vista, baby. After that, I remember Newt Gingrich did that. After the 98 midterms, uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, Speaker of the House, he didn't just leave the Speakership of the House. He left his seat as a member of the House of Representatives, kind of taking the old parliamentary, uh, the old parliamentary tack on this, track on this. You know, when your party loses, you step down. Um, it could. It could. Uh, there's probably an awful lot of Democrats that wish that they could be the president of the United States and don't think Joe Biden is doing a very good job of it. Uh, I'm open to that speculation and everything else, too. 602-508-0960. If you're worried about stock market volatility, check out what my friends at Y-Refi are doing, offering an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return not tied to the stock market. It's an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. And the investment can be in a trust, it can be in an IRA, it can be an individual, it can be a joint investment. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm made up of really great guys who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Investyrefi.com. It's the letter Y. The word invest, the letter Y, refy.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. 855-316-3087. You'll never get a sales pitch. Um, that's for me to do. They just like talking about what it is that they do and letting it speak for itself. Yes, I am curious to hear with uh, me being told again and again from the polling and uh, and elsewhere that this is an election about the economy. Is it for you an election first and foremost about the economy? The reason I ask is I'm curious generally um, because it seemed to me uh, going into November, regardless of where the economy was, that 
we should have been, you know, stomping the Democrats on a whole host of issues um, that the economy may or may not have been touching on. What's going on in our schools, um, reaction to policing and crime, uh, international relations, wokeism, uh, a whole host of things that uh, certainly certainly other elements having to do with 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 the economy, like obviously uh, inflation and energy independence, our border, uh, the drug problem. The drug problem is an incredible, incredible one. I don't understand why it's relegated to public service announcements and not more from the candidates themselves. The DEA says fentanyl is the worst drug crisis to afflict this country. You think about what this country did in Perversely, the name of, 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 of young people with schools and COVID. You think about that. This is a disease that touched one one thousandth of them. One, one, let me do it better than that. One one thousandth of a percent of them. One one thousandth of a percent of our children. Um, the fentanyl thing, the drug overdose crisis, is affecting our youth in much, much greater, much greater magnitude. And our young adults in much greater magnitude. In Arizona, in one year. We lost more youth to fentanyl than we did in three years to COVID, um, 25% more. We lost uh, more young adults to fentanyl in one year last year than all of COVID. That is to say, under the age of 45. And and you don't hear the can you hear the candidates you know talking about it cursorily in a sense, but. Where's Joe Biden and the Democratic Party on this? Now, I understand there's a reticence, perhaps, on their part, because to talk about fentanyl drives them to talking a little bit about the border, but it doesn't have to exclusively. I mean, they can talk a little bit about the border and talk about other responses and other issues. Joe Biden used to be really strong on this stuff in his heyday. He created the Office of National Drug Control policy. Uh, That was, you know, that was what Joe Biden did when he was the chair of the Judiciary Committee in the late 80s. Um, That the Democrats are, are, are burying their heads in the sand on this tremendous, not only mental health issue, but drug poisoning crisis. Um, That in in and of itself would be to me, I would think, and to you, I would think, a reason to vote these, you know, what's out of office. Anyway, that's my question to you. Is it about the economy or is it about a whole host of other things? 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. I'd love to know. And also, is there something about the media here, too? I think it was 1988 or 92. It was one of the George H.W. Bush elections. I don't remember which one. And I remember he was proudly... Uh, promoting a bumper sticker that said, annoy the media, vote Republican. That was a long time ago, man, wasn't it, when you think about it? And think of how much worse it's gotten. Dan McLaughlin over at National Review writes, I'm starting to suspect that Democrats have finally and irrevocably lost the capacity to tell the difference between what the political press will print and what the voters will actually believe. Sure, It's important and useful to be able to win the news cycle or get your version of a story to trend on Twitter. But that doesn't mean ordinary voters will believe it. They're just skipping 
the essential final step, like Soviet commissars who are happy to meet their production quotas by mass-producing left shoes without regard to whether people buying shoes want one for both feet. This mental error yields an approach in which the most important things are, one, to produce a party line that says what you want, two, convince everybody inside the party to stick with it, three, sell it to sympathetic reporters to run with it, and four, bully the rest of the political press into going along. That would be the dialectic he's outlining. The problem is that none of this actually matters if the voters won't walk around wearing only the left shoe. Examples abound. Was the point of the Inflation Reduction Act to reduce inflation? No. To convince voters that it reduced inflation? They're hardly even trying to do that either. The point was so that Democratic politicians could say we voted for a bill that reduces inflation and get the national political press to print it, then profit. Joe Biden isn't the man he once was. He'll be 80 next month. His schedule is shockingly light. He's visibly slowed on his feet and in his once profuse mouth, and he keeps saying things disconnected from reality. Polls show that huge proportions of the public think he's no longer mentally up to the job. But who cares about that? The point is just to yell at anybody who would print that Biden isn't okay. Same dynamic gets repeated with John Fetterman, who had a stroke and is very visibly, obviously not okay. Uh, When NBC's Dasha Burns made the mistake of reporting her own impression that Fetterman didn't really understand all of her interview questions, she was pigpiled by her supposed colleagues across the press as if shaming Burns into shutting up would fix the problem. Having convinced themselves that it was ableist to report that Fetterman was incapable of conversing or arguing, they then sent the poor fellow out to debate on live TV. When this was predictably a disaster, the response yet again was to forget about what voters saw with their own two eyes and stay focused on what the press would report. The latest example is maybe the most brazen lie I have ever witnessed, Dan writes, which is the most brazen lie I've ever witnessed in politics, which is saying quite a bit after witnessing careers from Biden and Clinton. And it's Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer who claimed that school children in her state were only kept out of classrooms for three months. This in her debate with uh, Tudor Dixon. Not to be outdone, Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz claimed that over 80% of our students miss less than 10 days of in-class learning. You can lie to people about a lot of things in politics and get away with it. You can lie about the budget. You can lie about what's in your diary. You can lie about voting machines. You can lie about whom you slept with. You can lie about how many people attended your rally. And you can lie about what's in the bill you just signed. But you can't lie to people about their own children. They were there. They remember. And that they do not forgive. But if you don't care anymore what they think, so long as it's printed in the papers, you deserve everything those voters will do to you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm asking what you're voting on November 8th. Is it just what the polls say? Is it just the economy? Sherry is in Glendale. Hello, Sherry. Hey, how are you, Seth? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. But uh, as I told the screener, it's all of the above. The media, the the, the board. I mean, what isn't it? <laughs> you know, if I'm the economy for. were doing fine, would you be just as animated to vote for Republicans? I know I would. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I want to know where I can get that bumper sticker. <laughs> 1992, I think, is where you have to go. <laughs> I remember it from a George H.W. Bush campaign rally. Um, oh, funny. And I, yeah, I think it was eight, 92 or 88, probably 92. Annoy the media, vote Republican. Uh, if yeah, someone wants awesome. to make them, we'll give them out. I'll, I'll happily give them out. You bet. Yeah, you. no kidding. Yeah. And, and where was the editorial you were just talking about? Uh, National Review. Uh, it was yeah. uh, over at nationalreview.com. Yeah. Uh, this inability to distinguish between uh, what the voters will believe and what the Democratic Party and the press are reporting. You know, there's not going to be any fact check on Gretchen Whitmer saying the schools were only closed for three months. There's not going to be any fact check on Tim Waltz in Minnesota saying Eighty percent of the schools were um, open within three weeks. There's not going to be a fact check on Joe Biden saying gas was higher when he came into office than it is now. I mean, there's just not going to be. Um, And it bothers me to no end, not because uh, politicians or um, Democrats uh, lie or tell the truth. It bothers me that. We seem to have missed the notion here that the media's job was to always investigate the candidates and the public leaders, not carry their water. As Justice Jackson once put it, authority here is to be controlled by public opinion, not public opinion by authority. Anyway, that's 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 what bothers me here, Sherry. And it would be it would be a hell of a message to the media, by the way, if that bumper sticker ethic carries forth. It would be a heck of a message to them with all their tantrums, with all their alarms and excursions, with all the frenzy and 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 uh, warnings and cautions about us living in with an existential threat to our Constitution and democracy because of what the Republican Party stands for. If the overwhelming majority of Americans does vote for the Republican Party, I'll say something to them, too. It'll tell them to go to you know where. That that would be perfect. Yeah, which would be great. It would be great and and then you you know what'll happen here's here's a prediction hold me to it see if see if i'm right somewhere around november up between november 9th and november 20th see if i'm right what you will get is a uh, message from the arizona republic uh the public editor the editor the publisher or the new york times and the washington post saying we will do a better job of representing the republicans or representing the wider view of the wider readership of our of our audience that we carry uh, our papers to. We will we will do a better job of trying to listen to voices outside of our own echo chambers. They do it every time Republicans win. They say it. They never do it. They say it. They never do it. Uh, the heck with all of them, Sherry. They they have surrendered their license as far as I'm concerned, at least their license to any credibility or moral or otherwise. Oh, 100 percent. It's it's beyond the pale what's the story i was looking at, at msnbc i sometimes have a have a fun time looking at what cnn thinks is important or what msnbc on their website thinks it's oh yes okay yes sure of course cnn the lead story is something on trump and irs tax returns uh something on the republican michigan gop nominees tudor dixon who's looking to beat gretchen whitmer something on uh something she said about covid-19 that they think wasn't true uh, a couple of years ago and something about mark meadows the former chief of staff 
to President Trump. I was saying to a friend of mine, Sherry, it's incredible how much he lives in their heads. I was saying to a friend of mine this morning, you know, when is the last time in history we spent so much time talking about ex-administration officials who are no longer in office two years after an election? I just don't remember it. And I love this idea that the media keeps saying you guys got to get beyond and past Trump. They're the ones that bring him up hourly, hourly, hourly. Um, it's an open debate as to whether, you know, Trump is Trump is the right next guy or not. I'm open to that discussion as well. But they're the ones who continue. To look at CNN's first first front page right now. It's all Trump. He's been out of office almost what? Two years. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. To put it as concisely as possible, what is it you're voting for on November 8th? The polls will tell you it's the economy. Uh, is it just that? Matt's in Scottsdale. Hi, Matt. All of the above. Yeah. All of the above, for sure. Uh, and and a, maybe a slightly broader question for you. With the border being what it is, and as far as I can tell, it's the worst threat to our national security that there's been in my lifetime. Do you have a sense of why? Well, you know, we've 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 oh, kind of thrown that question to a few different uh, folks on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I, I, I don't I don't have a, an exact answer, but I'll, I'll throw you the theories and back at you, Matt. And you tell me what you think is most plausible. Um, I think I always start with philosophy and ideology, whether I'm right to or not. That's where I start. And there's a philosophy and ideology that suffuses the left in the Democratic Party that America's not great. Why do they hate the phrase make America great again? Why do they hate the phrase America first? Why do they hate the notion of American exceptionalism, as it used to be called? Why did Barack Obama choke on defining American exceptionalism when he was a president and asked about it in Europe. So I, I, I think it starts with a general, shall we say, down market view of America in and of itself as a philosophical issue or an ideological issue. Second, I think that undergirding that is this notion that um, we, we, we need to reshape uh, the um, the the way immigration in America used to be. Um, Nineteen sixty five immigration law changed the way we brought in immigrants, and I believe that there's an ideological thought that now 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 sees it as an affirmative action of sorts, if you will. There are preferred and non preferred communities who should be uh, entering America and Moss. Third, I think that they see the rising crime and the rising costs attendant to it, and they don't want to admit to failure. Uh, This would be a version of them saying the border is secure, um, as they say that they never supported defunding the police. They're lying in the conservative direction because they don't want to admit to the failure of their own policies. And then fourth and finally, 
I believe that there's an interest in securing more social services to more people who need them for a long-term plan so that they will be more dependent on the government and perhaps even more dependent on the Democratic Party. Somewhere in those four or five postulates is the reason. Does any of that ring ring with you? It does. Uh, it does. And, and I guess part of my question is, how is it, I mean, if we have worthwhile Republicans in office, how is it that they are able to just completely stonewall and deflect to the extent that they've done? I mean, how can they just say the border is secure when that's patently and provably false? You mean the Democrats? I, yeah, I think you said Republicans. Yeah. You meant Democrats, yeah. right? How did oh, the Democrats well, say my that? Question was, my question is, where are the Republicans oh. when the Democrats are making patently transparently false claims about the security of the border. It's well documented, as you mentioned earlier, that it's an all-time drug crisis in terms of overdose deaths and the human trafficking and all the rest of the things that, that brightly get discussed at the border. Is it that the Republicans are not holding their feet to the fire and demanding resolution? Well, I I almost just because you're so polite, want to agree with you, but I, I'm having a hard time agreeing with you on that one, Matt. So help me out okay. because, because I, I, you know, every every candidate I've interviewed uh, or whose ads I see on TV does talk about the problem of the border. But you might be looking at other ones or have other thoughts on that. I, I think they I think they by and large have 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 been campaigning mostly on the border issue. They have indeed, uh, you know, but are there not? already Republicans in office, in position to do things about this? I mean, yes, there's a, a natural inclination for someone like me to say, yes, I want to lend my vote and my support to someone who's saying that they're going to you know, bring rational oh, policy saying, sure. to what we're doing at the border. But yeah. why would I believe it becomes difficult sure. for me to believe that they do that when there are already people in office who are saying they believe in that? And nothing's happening. Well, I guess I would say this, and I don't mean it to come off defensively at all, but I guess I would say half full, half empty on that one. Maybe maybe yeah. we can meet in the middle. If if you asked me who the most prominent Republican office holder in the country is right now, I think I might say Ron DeSantis. I think I'd be, you know, if, if you have another one, that's fine. But I think Ron is a pretty, pretty fair answer. He did something I, I about it. Him to be, I find him to be excellent. Okay, so he, so, so even, excellent or not, and I agree with you, he is excellent, but excellent or not, most prominent Republican office holder in the country, possibly. Uh, there's three or four we might put in that category. Um, he did something damn impressive. He made it, you know, an issue that made it hard for the Democrats to look you straight in the eye and lie about when he shipped... Uh, when he shipped illegal immigrants, uh, flew illegal immigrants to Democratic precincts and made a big showing of it. I mean, he did what he could do. And it was a huge media story for, I don't know, as long as the media could handle it, which was about uh, three hours. No, but it was more than that. I say that sarcastically. It was. It was a big thing that showed a lot. So I, I, I would, you know, I would give him credit. Governor Abbott was part of that. Here's an interesting thing. 
Governor Ducey has been doing it. Uh, Governor Ducey not only did that, he signed a very similar abortion law along the lines of what was um, in the uh, Dobbs decision, a 15-week abortion law. For some reason, uh, the the national press is not making him the punching bag that they are DeSantis and, um, and Abbott. Now, it's entirely possible that this has to do with the culture of the way he does it versus the culture of the way they do it and, and other things. But, you know, you take three serious governors and they're doing what they can on it, I, I think. I think um, Abbott was part and parcel of the shipping. Uh, Doug Ducey had been doing it. Um, the, the, the senators, I don't know what they can do in the minority. The House can't do a thing. In the minority, I don't know what the senators can really rightly do right now who are Republicans, but you do hear the Senate leaders talk about it that 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 get airtime. You hear Tom Cotton talk about it. You hear Ted Cruz talk about it. Um, You hear you you hear others talk about it. So the importance of majorities um, and the importance of minorities, um, it matters. You know, it matters. D.C. is lock, stock and barrel Democrat. Republicans just don't have a lot of power in D.C. The governors have some, and those Republican governors, hats off to them. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Art is in Phoenix. Hello, Art. Hello, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Very good. I, uh, Art Neff, uh, Titans, no Titans from Arcadia. Oh, wow. Great. Good for you. What year? Yeah. 74. 74. I had friends in that area. I, I had a sister in your, in probably, let's see, she would have been, yeah, she would have been a freshman when you were a senior, I think. Oh. So you probably cool. had, what? uh, teachers like Mr. Finkbein or, uh, oh, Mr. Finkbein. Uh, he was a classic. Mr. Hallman. Did you have Mr. Hallman? Yeah. Do you know my friend yeah. Hugh Hallman, who's here every Tuesday, is his son? No, I did not. I did not put that together. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is yes. good old Mr. Hallman's son. Uh, Mr. Larabelle may or may not have been there. Who else was there? And Mrs. They, Summer. Uh, I do remember. I do remember Vice Principal Bombeck. <laughs> not there when I was. Yeah. That's right. That, that's right. And, that's right. And, and either fortunately or unfortunately, I got to know him well. <laughs> yeah, I got to know my principal and vice principal pretty well, too, unfortunately. Yeah. We won't dump into that. Yeah, all right. So I had a thought about, I had a thought about immigration and, and one, of the, one of the many reasons why uh, – the party in power today might want more immigration. Uh, I, and this is a thought that I have, but primarily immigrants would attend public schools and the, and the unions benefit from an increase in student population, yeah. uh, which is funded by our government. Yeah. There's, and, there's a big part uh, of that too. There is a big part of that art. Yeah. I agree with uh, that. Along with, along with the ability to indoctrinate, uh, the young students. Yeah. So 
It was just a thought. And I, and no, I think, I, I think there's help. a lot there. I think that, yes, and I would attach that as somewhere along the lines of uh, increased dependency on a social welfare state, uh, to be sure. But, yeah, that that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. That is so fun. I, 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 love, the, uh, I love the stroll down memory lane there. Um, teachers that uh, that bring a smile to your face when you think about them. That's the sign of a good teacher, isn't it? Speaking of education, we're going to talk to Bethany Mandel. Thank you, Art. Please call back. Uh, we're going to talk to Bethany Mandel for an extended interview in next hour. He has a piece up at the Deseret News on COVID and education. I'm Seth Leapson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. <laughs> 